Hey everybody, welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, I'll be your host today, and just want to check in on a couple of things. I've been rereading 1984 with my kids, actually I'm taking them through it, and it's quite interesting, and it's we're going to read a quote from it in just a minute, but the thing that we're really talking about today that I haven't seen too much in the news is that in New York they are taking down an almost 200-year-old statue of Thomas Jefferson because the statue, or rather the man behind the statue, was according to this group, inherently racist. We're going to talk about that. What does that mean? And what do what does the whole idea of taking down these statues really do for us? And, and who was Jefferson? And does he have any merit at all? So we're going to get to that because I think it is important. I think this may seem like a small issue. You may think like it's just a statue. I don't care. But I think there's a bigger issue at play here. And we want to talk about it from a biblical perspective. So welcome to Church Public and let's get started. Again, welcome to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, and I really appreciate your support. This is a labor of love and a listener-supported podcast, so I appreciate any help that you can get in terms of sharing and liking and subscribing and giving reviews and all those other things. If you missed any, you can check them out on all of the big podcast sites, and in fact, some of the small ones as well. And then, of course, you can go to churchpublic.com to find out more, to watch episodes, to support, etc., You can also check out uh, all of the social media places and find me there as well. If you have any questions, there's also additional content on some of those sites. So a little treasure hunt, check it out and see what you can find. So today we're talking about Jefferson, or really we're talking about the statue of Jefferson, which is being removed. And it is a big deal because over the past couple of years, many statues have been under the process of being removed in some state or another. And at first, it was just really bad people, quote unquote. But then, of course, some, I'll say it this way, a previous leader, perhaps even the president of the United States, said that they will be coming for Washington and Jefferson and Lincoln. And we have seen that over the course of the last year. These people are. They are taking down these statues because inherently no one is perfect. And once you start opening up that closet, you notice that everyone has some skeleton in it. So in this particular instance, we are looking at the statue of Thomas Jefferson that has been uh, in New York City's City Hall since around 1833. Originally, the statue was commissioned by Uriah P. Levy, Apparently, he was in the Navy, and it was commissioned in 1833. He said, quote, I consider Thomas Jefferson to be one of the greatest men in history. He goes on to say, the author of the Declaration and an absolute Democrat, he serves as an inspiration to millions of Americans. And he went on to say that the reason he commissioned this statue for Jefferson is that the author of the Declaration, he said... Did he serves as an inspiration to millions of Americans and he did much to mold our republic in a form which a man's religion does not make him ineligible for political or governmental life. In other words, freedom of religion was one of the biggest reasons this particular statue was put up. And I think that is important. I think it's important for us to know. Of course, no one remembers that now except for those that are interested in history and look into it and, and find what these statues are all about. But I think that's important to note that Jefferson was multifaceted. And that is an important point to note, as we all are. We all have 
parts of us that are good and parts of us that we would rather not be parts of us or rather not be known for. Jefferson was no different. And that is really the issue. But here's the deal. This statue is being canceled because Jefferson himself owned slaves. And that is now a sin that is not overcomable. If you were in any in any stretch of the means connected to slavery or racism or being white or anything, now you must be canceled and you cannot hold a place of reverence in society at all, period. And it stands to reason again that we have to mention that at the time, every single country had slavery. And in fact, through most of time, every country has had some form of slavery. What we need to do instead is look at the other side of the coin. What countries abolished slavery? America was one of those countries. And Jefferson had a big role in that, in doing things like drafting the Declaration of Independence and some other things that we'll talk about in a moment. That's important to note. It's important to note not some of the foils and foibles that he had personally, but what he did with his life and with the intention of his life in order to make, quote, a more perfect union, end quote. And justice and liberty for all, we could go on and on with quotes from either the Declaration, Constitution, First Amendment, which basically he pre-drafted as, as one of the pieces of Virginia. I think this is a good quote as well. This is Abraham Lincoln's opinion, or at least one of his opinions, on Jefferson. And I think this is important to note. Lincoln says, All honor to Jefferson, to the man who, in the concrete pressure of a struggle for national independence by single people, had the coolness, forecast, and capacity to introduce a merely revolutionary document, the declaration he's referring to, an abstract truth applicable to all men and all times. That's an important statement. I'll continue on. So to embalm it there, that today, and in all coming days, it shall be a rebuke and stomach block to the very harbingers of reappearing tyranny and oppression. End quote. That was Lincoln talking about the role that Jefferson played in establishing this country for all men at all times. The whole point here is that Jefferson played a big role in it, and that is part of the problem here. Jefferson helped the United States by drafting the Declaration of Independence. He helped found the United States by doing this. He also created the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom, on which the First Amendment, the religious freedom, is basically modeled. He founded the Library of Congress after a, a, a disaster where he basically donated or, or sold his whole library to Congress. He founded the University of Virginia, among many other things. So again, this person, which had many flaws, of course, if he, with all of those accomplishments, is not worthy of a statue, it would be hard-pressed to find anyone who is. And that is really the problem. We're talking about the cult of secular humanism. We're talking about the religion where you have to follow all of the rules, you have to live up to the standards that the priests of this religion have set, and if you do not, even if you are long dead and you appear in a statue or a ghost of a presence, like a statue, then you must be destroyed, you must be removed. You may even be cheering this particular statue's fall, but make no mistake, what will you say when they come for the thing that you hold dear? And mind you, they are coming. They will continue to knock these things down until there are no more things to knock down because no one, and I repeat, 
no one can withstand the scrutiny. And that is really the whole point. And as Paul says, there is no one righteous, no, not one, in Romans 3.10. Jefferson may not have been perfect, but his legacy is that a man is of a man who tried through many means to make the world a better place, not just for himself, but for all people. If you seek to destroy his memory or those like him, ask yourself, what have you done in comparison? Have you started a country? Have you started a college? Have you helped a state? Have you written perhaps the most important government document in the history of the world? Have you fought for religious liberty at your own peril? No, you haven't done any of those things. Maybe you should be not as quick to judge others as you look at what you have done versus other people who do have statues, probably for some good reason. Even if they are not the perfect person, which we can talk about and learn from, perhaps there are things in their character and in their lives that we should honor and emulate. I think this is the important thing and what we have to recognize, and this is going to the biblical perspective now, that in this cult of secular humanism or wokeness or whatever you want to call it, cultural Marxism, even it has hints of, that you cannot be good enough and there is no forgiveness for any in any action that does not go along with the, the pragmatism of their cult. If you do not follow along, you will be cast out into the bitter darkness, whether you are alive or long dead. If you cannot follow along, you cannot follow at all. And that is what we see over and over and over again. And that's why, even though this is perhaps to some a small thing, just the removing of a statue, it is in fact a big thing. It is in fact a big thing because this big thing removing this statue and sending it wherever they're going to send it. And, and I read through a couple of reports from New York, uh, New York offices and some other things, and they don't know what they're going to do with it. They just know it must come down because it represents something that they cannot see. By seeing it, just by seeing it, it is violence to them. Whereas actual violence, of course, is not, as long as the violence is going the right way. And this is the problem. We, we cannot live in this world where we don't call true things true. And we cannot live in this world where we are afraid to speak our minds. Jefferson, even himself, at great risk to himself, put his word out there, put his life out there. When these founders signed the document, just as one example, they were functionally signing their death warrant. That takes a lot of courage something that we are lacking these days. When you know that writing this letter to your present king says, we will no longer follow after you, but instead you must let us be free, they knew the king would say, no, 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 that's not how this goes. I am sending my armies to, as Hamilton puts it, kill your friends and family just to remind you that I care. Yes, this is the world that he lived in, and it had a lot of problems. That is the good news. The good news is we have come a long way since. In fact, we've come so far since that we can recognize some of the things that they wanted to get rid of but couldn't even get rid of. So what do we do with this? Well, we have to push against these things. We have to recognize that by eliminating all of history, we are not actually making the world a better place. We are just making the world a more forgetful place to make more room to make the same mistakes again. 
This is what happens over and over and over again. This is the way history goes. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I have been reading through 1984 again, and it is eerily familiar as you get into it. I would highly recommend you reading it, though it was written decades and decades and decades ago. The things he was, Orwell, was dealing with then are quite similar in ideology to the things that we are dealing with today. And that is the truth of the matter that the devil, while really, really old, is not creative, period, full stop. The devil cannot do new things. That is the reality. Only God with his ultimate power can create. And we, made in his image, actually can as well. But the devil cannot, so he keeps replaying the same thing over and over again, which is why these things sound so familiar. And when I read from 1984, every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed, or in our case, we could substitute destroyed. Continuing on, every date has been altered and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. End quote. Again, in prescient foreknowledge, Orwell predicted where he where we would be today, whether he knew it or not. And we are in this place where the party is and must be always right. They see to that. They have to remove things that remind us of the past and remind us there was a different way and remind us that people were flawed in the past. Yes, but they also strove for better and better things. And that is what we must do. We must push ahead. We must lean into this and know that there are better things and we can get better. And the way that we do is through courage, which we could all use more of, and faith. We must lean into God. We must lean into the the presence of the Holy Spirit to allow us the wisdom to move forward. I believe we cannot actually do this on our own. It is only by the grace of God that we can do this. And that is an important point to hold on to and why this story is important and why the biblical grounding of our lives, our hearts, our communities is ultimately of the most importance. So these are the kinds of things that we need to stand up for and stand up really against. This culture for so long as Americans, as Christians, we have just said, do whatever you want. We'll be kind. We won't get into your business if you don't get into our business. But the reality is they are in the business and they are creating a worldview and they are creating a religion that demands uh, complicity. You, You must follow. And if you do not follow, you will in some way or another be destroyed. We must stand up in the boldness and courage of Jesus Christ in this truth with the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, no, we need to do true things. We need to follow the truth. And Jesus is the truth. And when they say, no, but we want this to be the truth instead, we have to say, no, that's great that you want that, but that's not real. And what is real is important. It will be forevermore. And it seems this culture is continuing to go into a place where the truth doesn't matter. So we do need to stand for it. How are you going to do that? In your life, you're going to have to figure that out. I pray that you do have boldness as you work through this. And I, again, am not worried about it. I'm not worried because the church will always uh, succeed. And Jesus has already told us that he has overcome the world and the power of death and the power of sin. 
So those are all good things, and that is good news, but that doesn't mean we can sit idly by and watch it pass us as it literally goes off the cliff. No, we must stand strong and hopefully stand together. We are stronger when we are together. Jesus, Paul, many of the other writers continue to talk about the body of Christ and how important it is for us to be unified together. And more than ever, I feel strongly about that. We have got to bond together and we have got to be united in this. We cannot go off on our own and hope that things work out well. Stand together, stand with your family, stand with your community and stand with your church and we can really make a difference in this world for the kingdom of God. We must show the love. We must show the grace. We must show the truth that is only from God. Thanks for being with me here today at Church Public. I pray God's blessing upon you and that you will continue to keep the faith.